Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So basically, this documentary, like, it was all about fourth initially. You know, Spurs are six points off fourth. And then it kept going, like, Spurs are now nine points off fourth. <laughs> They're trying to make it all sound positive. And then just suddenly... As the episodes went on, later on, it was like, the FA Cup is Spurs' best chance of winning a cup. <laughs> <laughs> and then they lose to Southampton, you never hear of it again. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Ross Barkley is on board. Good signing. Um, we're starting off a podcast off the back of a 1-0 loss to Stoke City. So that's why we're going to start by talking about Ross Barkley. Forget about that game. Um, this is big because I was just thinking about it. Yeah, yes, he's left Chelsea and Champions League team. And he didn't want to sign a month ago, which I think is is crucial. Now, I think when you look at the, the options of Mount and Havertz and Ziyech and Pulisic and Odoi and Loftus-Cheek, then you might start thinking... Do you know what? Maybe a month ago I wasn't thinking too clearly. But um, but the fact that Bertrand Terori has also come from a Champions League team, he's left Champions League football with Leon to come to play with Villa. Emmy Martinez coming from Arsenal. Like, all their teams wanted him. Villa got him. And he was manning their goals at the end of last year, won the FA Cup for them. Just a couple of big statement signings. And now, there's something about this, Liam. Like, there's no option to sign him permanently at the end of the... It's a season-long loan, obviously. And there's a lot of talk, though, like, you know, I was reading a piece in The Athletic, um, a lot of talk of it goes well, you know, then he could be convinced to sign. Actually, you know what, That's, that sounds just waffly. That, that sounds like one of the things that some journalists write. It makes it sound like they're in the know, but really anybody could write that and nobody will question it. It's like, you know, if everything goes well and he's happy, then he will sign. It's like, yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, you know. um, but to be honest, I'm still not 100% convinced that we should all be you know, just so giddy about it. Like, you know, let's get this guy on board forever. Now, it's a big signing, and obviously he's a good player. But, like, you know, Villa have a good middle three, and I'm still a bit uh, a bit stung from the Danny Drinkwater incident. Like, I know it's not Danny Drinkwater, or a big loaf of bread, as he called himself, but 
you know, with somebody coming from a big club, you know, again, I, I'm just always worried about those loan signings. Well, Villa do have a good middle three, but they've only got the three of them. I think tonight was a magnificent advertisement for the Ross Barkley transfer. <laughs> because you, you really see the, the lack of depth in midfield. Nakamba, Lansbury, they were bad tonight and they're not, they're not good enough. And you might, I don't want to go straight into the match, but you know, you might think, okay, it was, it was against Stoke. It was our second 11, but you know, it was our second 11, which means a lot of those players are going to have to play at some point in the season. Whenever you get Ross Barkley in, you're pushing Henry Lansbury, you're pushing the Canva further down the chain of players that need to play. So it's, it's a great signing because he's a top quality player. He's played over 30 times for England. Uh, he's played, like he was starting a lot of games for Chelsea last year. He's definitely an upgrade on the options we have in the middle of the pitch. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about it. So this is it. I was going to ask, like, so obviously, like, yeah, everyone now, poor bloody Conor Hurahan, who's doing well, and like he always does well. Uh, it's just assumed now Con- Conor Hurahan is under pressure. And, you know, that that's a shame when you think about all the chances he creates. Again, we, we've talked about this before, but he's coming off the back of another goal and assist. Um, at the weekend, a three-nil win, two wins in a row in the Premier League. Um, is is Ross Barkley coming straight into that middle three, or is there a potential that he could play off the striker with Grealish? Because Grealish is obviously coming very narrow. We even saw tonight, um, El Ghazi coming into around the middle. Bertrand Ferrari seems to do it very naturally, and that's why we had talked about why he'll be a a much better fit than someone like Trezeguet in this new system. Um, I think Villa are going to be a lot more fluid. They're going to ask a bit more of cash and. Looks like Target, hopefully. We've got a few more days left. It could, could be somebody else. Um, McGinn obviously gives him that bit of legs. Barkley could give him that bit of legs as well, as opposed to the middle three. But there's potential for him to play off the striker as well, right? Or is middle three foregone conclusion? Well, well, this is the other thing that he gives you, and another reason why he's a good signing. He, he does give you options through himself. He, he can play higher up, and he can play in the middle three. He said in his interview that he... He wants to play in the middle eight, and it sounded like, or sorry, play at number eight in the middle three, and it sounded like maybe Dean Smith had told him that's where he was going to be playing. So it would be, it would be a brave decision for Dean Smith to renege on that almost immediately. But say, for example, like Dean, Dean Smith changes his team when he needs to. So against Liverpool, if he plays Barkley and Grealish behind the centre forward, that wouldn't be a huge surprise. It's a bit tighter. It gives you gives you an extra body who can get back and, you know, has played in deeper roles before. But yeah, no, he can play, he can play in a number of positions and that's one of the benefits of signing him as, as well as the fact that he's a top quality international footballer. He had a great line actually in his interview with Villa TV um, about Dean Smith. He said, he swayed me with the way he spoke to me and it looks like it's going to be an exciting season. And that's it. Like that's all the noises that are coming out and the, the new signings, they're all, they're all very excited. Uh, Ross Barkley is talking there about Dean Smith. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm convinced that there were more people in for Ross Barkley as well. Why wouldn't there be if suddenly a 26-year-old who wants to get in the England squad for the Euros next season uh, is now available? Like, the fact that Dean Smith can go and convince these people to come join them, that's great. I, you know, I just... I, look, I was going to say I hope he's not making many promises he can't keep. I'm sure he can keep them. I just... I, I think my only fear is that for some reason, maybe it's a small club mentality, you know. But um, those aren't a small club. But this is this is my head. I'm thinking is that uh, you know, people can come and like that 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 word big time charities. Like 
again, it's just always worried that they're not as on it when they come down a step. When they're 26, like obviously like Tammy Abraham was a great example, but that's somebody who's who's breaking through. This is Ross Barkley, who's done it for England. He's probably think he's done it for Chelsea, some of the, the, the things he's done for them already, even though he's not started most of the games. But um, yeah, that that's just the underlying fear for me, that they're just going to piss around, maybe, if I'm being frank. Like, I think you're you're definitely weighting this too much on your experience with Danny Drinkwater last year. <laughs> Danny Drinkwater and, and Ross Barkley aren't the same player. Danny Drinkwater had a glorious season at Leicester when everybody in that squad, Mark Albrighton had a glorious season for Leicester that year. Like We, we know that Leicester team wasn't good. As soon as Danny Drinkwater went to Chelsea, he was found out and his career was finished. Villa signed him about two weeks after Aston Villa's midfield bossed the Burnley midfield that Danny Drinkwater couldn't get into. <laughs> Ross Barkley and Danny Drinkwater aren't the same player. So you, you need to get that out of your head. In the, <laughs> Danny Drinkwater is a hungry, or sorry, Ross Barkley is a hungry player and he's going to be a good signing. And what, like, Dean Smith obviously had a big role in convincing him to join, but let's not forget the role of, of Agent Tammy as well. Told him it's a great club. Um, we'll be forever thankful for his goals in the championship and hopefully we're just as thankful for the signing of Ross Barkley as well well that's it and like uh, Tammy Jack Grealish is also friends with Ross Barkley and there was a nice clip of the two of them when they met in the training ground there just uh, embracing um, Oasis blasting in the background in the villa changing room I like that I think that sums up the, the villa it just all seemed very relaxed it was after training Barkley wasn't training that session and uh, yeah he was, he was hugging him at the door he came walking into the changing room with a little cup of coffee, just some boys chilling around, getting changed, Oasis blasting, nice lighting. It just summed up what I think about this Villa season so far. Tonight, obviously, we're standing. Um, and we'll get into tonight a little bit more, I think, later in categories. I think it'll be a nice way of, of covering it. But on Monday, the transfer deadline closes. And I still think there's a bit of business to be done with Villa, even if, well, Dean Smith did say that he was looking for another attacker. No, he didn't specify if he's looking for a centre-forward or somebody to play off the striker, like we're talking about maybe Berkeley can do. Um, what do you think? Like For me, I'm looking at it thinking Villa still need two more signings. I think they need a wide player, like Ben Rama would be perfect, or Rashika. Jesus, did you see Ben Rama's goal tonight, actually, against Fulham? Um, another 3-0 loss against Brentford. Ben Rama, with his back turn, manages to nutmeg somebody and just places it into the corner with his instep. Uh, I think he would be ideal. I haven't seen Rashika as much, but just sort of get excited from uh, reading the athletic. I'm reading it too much, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think they need a left back. We we spoken before about uh, Need Taylor, but we'll get into him a bit later on. But he can't be your your backup left back when into a season. And Matt Target certainly, when Need Taylor is his backup, can't be your first choice left back because he will be he will be injured. There's two signings I think need to be made. Yeah, uh, it, it, undoubtedly. We definitely need another attacker. And as much as tonight was an advertisement for Ross Barkley, tonight was definitely an advertisement for the need for another attacker. Because when you look at those players, they're they're the first lads off the bench. Maybe, maybe Trezeguet. But Trory's going to be starting. And then it's Keenan Davis and El Ghazi. And El Ghazi was fucking dreadful tonight. I mean, if, if El Ghazi thinks he's better than playing against Stoke, which he clearly does the way he was wandering around the pitch, why doesn't he just fucking show it? He did one good thing in that match where he cut in from the left wing, drifted past two players, and then he just delayed the shot too long and then put this little dribbling 
non-entity of a shot that the keeper just easily saved. And then the next time he gets the ball, so this is immediately after he did one good thing, you think, okay, this will spark him into it. Gets the ball on the left wing, and he just rolls the ball down the left wing to a figment of his imagination. It was fucking unbelievable. And, yeah, like we undoubtedly need, need a wide player. El Ghazi can't be the player that we have to bring on to claw back a game. And we've covered it before, but you're talking about need Taylor not like Matt Target. It, it, it needs to be replaced. We've seen that already this season. He, he doesn't give you anything that this team and this system needs. If you've got Jack Greeley's playing in a free role, your left back needs to be good. Matt Target's not good. Do, do, do you know what's um yeah what really sobered me up now? We've been slagging Matt Target enough, so I didn't need sobered up, but. Just the thought of playing Liverpool at the weekend, I was like, "Oh Christ, Mo Salah," and you know, my target, like, what a what a recipe for disaster. And yeah, it's all well and good playing against. I don't want to say ten man Sheffield United because that, that does a disservice to the team who did a play that got a man sent off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I hmm. I always hate that where people dismiss something by saying, "Ah, oh, but it was ten men." It's like yes, because they were forced in the position that they didn't want to be in by Ollie Watkins. And their defender couldn't handle it, therefore got sent off. But um, Fulham, obviously, what a disaster they are. So you're coming straight up now against the, the best team in England. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different ballgame. Matt Target will probably go off after 30 minutes. Neil Taylor comes on. He will do no better defensively. And he certainly won't offer anything going forward. Immediately, you're crippled then because it seems like a lot of Villa's new system is going to depend on fullbacks helping out. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, but like Matt, Matt Target against Mo Salah and Trent Alexander Arnold with Connor Hurahan and Jack Grealish tucking in to give him a hand isn't, isn't the ideal position to be in. But as well, we're going to be relying on quick breaks up the pitch, and that's just another thing that Matt Target isn't. It's fast. So, you know, that option isn't, isn't going to be there for, for the majority of the game. So, yeah, it's. it's it's worrying. I mean, I mean, we could probably just talk about how bad the Liverpool game is after it, rather than you know, <laughs> ruining the next week in fear of it. Yeah, actually, that that's fair. I've got one last thing just on uh, transfers. Uh, some people still talking about buying a centre forward. Now, maybe that's coming from. I think there's a lot of support there for Keenan Davis, but you know, maybe people are realistically thinking, you know what? I would just rather have somebody else to back him up. I'm looking at it thinking. For one position, Ollie Watkins, Keenan Davis, and Wesley is enough. Like that's that's three options. They're all offering something a little different. Um, and like almost Wesley needs a bit more respect put on his name because I, like Villa were terrible for a stage when he was there. Like and that wasn't his doing. We actually saw when people were bringing him into the play and coming up to join in the attacks of him. He could he could offer something. He actually he, he popped the ball off at the right time. He found passes and he started to score a couple of goals and then got injured. Um, like it was it was a record signing. Like and I know it's under the under the last director of football, so maybe there's not a lot to be taken from that. But he's still a big a big option when he comes back. Watkins is number one. But if you have Davis and Wesley backing him up for one place, I think that's fine going into the season. Yeah, I mean. Wesley got a lot better toward, just before his injury when Villa were bad, so you're right. But Wesley was really bad whenever Villa were good as well. So I think that has scarred a lot of people. So Villa were quite good at the start of last season and Wesley 
he looked he looked clumsy. He looked a bit like you know Bambi on ice at times. He um yeah like and it, I think I think you're right. They're they're good for a backup. People always would always like to have another option because whenever you've got those three, Ollie Watkins is starting every game. Like I mean, there's no there's no question about that, and that's yeah. not always a healthy position to be in. You might want someone there who can you know push Ollie Watkins on a little bit as well. But also, just in case Ollie Watkins form dips, then you want someone who can just come in. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, the transfer deadline is Monday, so after <laughs> after the Liverpool game, we might be scrambling to put our heads together to see to see what we need to do to paper over the cracks. Hopefully, it's not too bad. Um, coming up next, we got some WhatsApp winges. Not as much, but we've got some. WhatsApp winges, Liam. I've got three. First one, what's the point of playing a full team against Liverpool? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so the genesis of this is probably quite obvious, but um, I'm looking at this thinking, oh, Villa or the League Cup. And then it's like, well, that's fair enough. They got, well, what, what, what? wait, why? Like they're, they're going to lose anyway. Um, could they not have sacrificed that game if they lose against Liverpool? That's not a big deal. Go out t- twelve or twelve men. Go out with a spare eleven men against Liverpool. Lose that match anyway, and go into the quarterfinals of the League Cup. So, first thing in that is, didn't Mick McCarthy get himself in trouble for doing this against Man United back whenever Man United weren't a shambles? Um, I'm pretty sure he got fined, or maybe was it Wolves? He was manager. Yeah, he was charged with Wolves. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing in that is. We're gonna to have to play Liverpool or Man City in the EFL Cup eventually, anyway. So you could just say the same thing. What's the point in going on a run in a competition we can't win? Because like you might, you might get them early on, and you might get their second eleven, and you might beat them. But if you get to the final, Man City are gonna play their full team. You're gonna have Ali Samad up front. He's gonna score. But you're gonna get beaten. <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. Maybe I'm looking at it through the prism of uh, the Tottenham Hotspur All or Nothing documentary. So basically what happened there is that Daniel Levy is obsessed for some reason with winning a cup and Josie Mourinho wins cups. And it's like, what what cups is he talking about now? Because Josie Mourinho doesn't win cups anymore. And uh, and there's only, what, four to win and Mourinho's definitely not winning two of them. And, <laughs> and more than definitely not winning the other two. And so basically this documentary, like it was all about fourth initially, you know, Spurs are six points off fourth. And then it kept going like Spurs are now nine points off fourth. <laughs> They're trying to make it all sound positive. And then just suddenly as the episodes went on later on, it was like the FA cup is Spurs' best chance of winning a cup. <laughs> <laughs> and then they lose to Southampton. You never hear of it again. Um, so maybe I'm thinking that way. Like, you know, wouldn't it be good to get a cup under their belts? But don't get me wrong. I love the EFL Cup. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant competition. It comes at a great time of the year. It's midweek. And teams take it seriously. And they take it seriously for the same reason that Spurs take it seriously. It's because there's only four competitions to win. So mm-hmm. I think it's become a brilliant competition. It's so much better than the FA Cup. And it, it's just it, it adds a little bit of a little bit of spice to the season. Like you know, it's it's lovely to have a knockout competition. It's run really well. Like you know, the just even the no extra time straight into penalties. That's class. Yeah, 
And I just, I just, I, I've always, I've loved it for the last, I'd say, maybe 10 years. I just really, I started to notice, oh, this is brilliant. Because teams take it so seriously because it's the first trophy you can win and it doesn't and doesn't impact your league season. It's, it's, it's a brilliant competition. So I was a little bit a little bit annoyed about that tonight, but I did reconcile myself with what I said earlier about the fact that, ah, oh, sure, look, fuck it. We're not going to beat Liverpool in the final anyway. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's a good point. Like, it is. It's a great cup. And, like, the reason it's probably better than the FA Cup is that it's it's played midweek, like you say. It's not like the FA Cup's problem and the reason everybody hates it is because it just interrupts the league. It's, it's like the international break. That's why everybody hates that as well. It just it disables the league for two weeks, international break, and the FA Cup. Suddenly, there's games on Saturday that, that don't mean anything to you. It's like, what? Mm. Like, what? We were all in the middle of this. It's like reading a novel and then somebody throwing a page in front of you that you have to read for some reason. You know, and you want to get back to your book. I should have, that could have been a good analogy if I had thought it out properly before. <laughs> yeah, no, and and the FA Cup comes in starts in January as well. So when the season's really ramping up, and not like you know the Champions League is there as well. You know, getting into the knockout phases. Ah, the FA Cup's a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and this is something that people uh, need to realize actually, because I think it's a uh, it's mostly fans and the media who play down the EFL Cup, like, the players, this means as much to them as the fucking FA Cup. Like, if you even watch, now again, I'm talking about an all-or-nothing documentary, uh, but, like, you know, the Man City players were mad for that EFL Cup, especially because the start of the year, first trophy, as you say. It's a cup. They're all they're all still playing against the same team. And, um, yeah, like, like that, that's it. If you look at Spurs' celebrations in 2008 when they won it, like, what it would have meant for Villa last year or 2010, it's a big bloody competition, and I really think fans need to just stop this, like pretending like it doesn't matter. People do care about it, and we would all enjoy it more if we stopped pretending like it didn't matter. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yes, your second WhatsApp whinge is Dean Smith a bit late on it with his subs. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe Dean Smith is thinking the same as we are. You're not going to be fucking Liverpool in the final anyway. Yeah. What's the point, What's the point in risking Ollie Watkins? Yeah, that that's fair. But I think this is probably the context of this is that this has happened now over the last few games where he doesn't seem to like making any changes before 70 minutes. And like they've, they've been later in the league matches. Now, they've been winning those league matches. So who am I to talk? And they've been dominating or, you know, always looking like they're going to win them. So why would he mess around with it? But yeah, I just noticed that he's... Uh, it's fairly late on them, and just that game tonight, it probably needed Ollie Watkins a bit earlier. I thought like you were talking about risking him. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was happy to let them let them feel it out. But I just wondered, is it a pattern with him now, where he's sitting on his hands, maybe just a little ten minutes longer than you like? Well, I, I don't think there's any there's any tentative tentativeness in him taking off Conor Hurahan. I think if you look back, Conor Hurahan's probably come off between sixty and seventy minutes every game so far. Um, I, I think you're right to say that it, it's probably it's there against Sheffield United. He could have reacted a lot quicker. He could have got Trezeguet off a lot quicker in that game. He was he was doing nothing, and it, we were playing against nine defenders and a goalkeeper, where just somebody who wants to get get wide and hit the ball across the box as hard as he can is completely pointless. So take yeah. him off, but he didn't. He left him on. He's actually stayed on the whole game. Um, so maybe it is, maybe it is a pattern, but I'm not going to judge his reluctance to try to pointlessly get to the next stage of the EFL Cup. Yeah. 
I can just see it. Uh, I can see it in a game, maybe maybe on Sunday when it's not going as well for Villa. I can just see that becoming something people are complaining about. You know, change the fucking match, change the system, like bring on a new player, get him off. Uh, you know, it's not happening yet because things are going well. Just just watch this space. That that will be a recurring WhatsApp whinge. I bet that that will happen again. That's my prediction before the end of the season. The last one. When Neil Taylor was growing up, what did he do to stand out from a normal Sunday league player? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess he, maybe he maybe he broke somebody's leg and just looked like he didn't care. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it definitely wasn't football related, anyway. But this is—it's not even like you know a lot of people here aren't great at football. Um, you and I have always mentioned James McLean, and if you talk to any of James McLean's friends, like you know, he's not. Uh, he was never the best growing up on his street, never mind on the teams that he played on. Um, but like Nate Taylor isn't physically gifted. Like he's not tall, he's not strong, he's not fast. I don't know if he's fit because I've never seen him run enough. He runs 30 meters and that's it. Um, like what is it? Like what what is he how is he a, a Premier League? Made a career as a Premier League fullback and your normal Sunday League player didn't? Yeah, it's it's baffling. Like you He's a multi-millionaire from a profession that he's not suited to. So I suppose we have to compliment him. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it just reminded me of um, a game. I remember watching Derry City. Now, this is a... No, obviously, they're a lot closer to some of the league standards than Aston Villa are. Um, so if there's any English listeners, Derry City are a team in the League of Ireland. Um, but they're, they're semi-pros. Or, like, they're still good. And I remember they played a pre-season match. And I don't even know if you called that. It was more like a wasn't even an exhibition. It was just like an in-house friendly game that the media got to go see, but they were playing against the the Sunday League select teams, which is a collection of Sunday League players. Mm. And uh, Like the fullback for the Sunday League team was definitely better than the Derry fullback. And I was like, how, how did that happen? And no, it didn't help that the fullback for Derry was Roddy Collins' son. So and Roddy Collins was a Derry manager. I think he was called Roddy Collins Jr. Um so maybe that's why, but he was he was having a career in the League of Ireland before he joined Derry, and it's like how again, how did he get there? Maybe it's just commitment. I, I don't know, but like the guy, I I sort of went to school with him. I didn't know him, but you know, I know that he, he enjoys football. He plays every week and he trains like every two or three nights. And you know, it's like how, how did he not make it? And the other guy made it. Sometimes I just wonder what is it that somebody's breaking through and the other person isn't. Well, I there's a lot of luck involved as well. I mean. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what Neil Taylor's bringing. Colin. <laughs> this is this is for questions we can't answer. This isn't a this isn't a WhatsApp whinge. Well, do you know what, Liam? You're going to enjoy the next section. So coming up, we've got categories, and we do have questions you can't answer. Categories. And I'll tell you what, if Henry Lansbury isn't careful, he's going to have a category of his own here very soon, and it's going to be called. The- the Henry Lansbury floating balls over the top that you know will never come off award. <laughs> Something to that effect. Um, Jesus, like he loves just dinking the ball to no one. Ah, it's 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 unbelievable. It was um it was incessant, especially in the last twenty minutes. Just the number of times you saw the Stoke fullback just heading a ball. The other thing was whoever was playing wide for Villa was just letting that happen as well. They weren't really challenging for it, so it was a shit pass. 
Liam, no, Liam. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. What am I talking about? Henry Lansbury was just, their passes were fucking dreadful. They were never no, but also the player playing wide was like Gazzy. So like that. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. Comment, I think. Um, no, it, it was. It was. It was. It's hard to watch when you're watching a game and the only the only pattern of play that you see developing is a pointless ball floated over the top by a fucking pointless player. You know. You know you've gone wrong somewhere in your life i mean like that was the type of game that had you thinking about your own mor- mortality <laughs> the type of game that you know you're almost hoping for a sudden unexpected death so at least you're not lying in your bed looking back at your life and thinking what was i doing i mean there was a, there was actually a moment in the first half where i was thinking is neil taylor villa's best player neil taylor <laughs> And that was only because he got around on the cover once. Like that that's how bad the performance was, particularly in the first half. It's fucking terrible. It was. It was the closest thing that I've seen to a, a Man United performance from Villa in that it was just nothing. Like there was no plan, no pattern, it was just going around the periphery, nobody making any inroads, nobody doing anything. We talked about Jack Grealish creating imbalances. Nobody did anything to take a, a Stoke player out of it. Um, not even with a good cross. I don't know how there was one good cross either. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a nothing performance. And you're right. Like I think you text me uh, saying that you missed the first five minutes of the second half, and I was just like, well, to be honest, I've been watching the first fifteen minutes of the second half, and I don't know what's happened <laughs> in my life that I've gotten to this point where I'm just staring blankly at the screen. And we, like you know, we're watching on DAZM, um, American American broadcaster, and just no crowd sound which is fucking terrible i didn't do you know what i'll hold my hands up you you told me that it was going to be better with the crowd sound i th- i said you were wrong i was a conspiracy theorist um, <laughs> and it is awful maybe it's the nature of that game but fuck that was bad yeah well like tonight's game definitely wasn't an advertisement for no sound on it was it was dreadful there was once whenever i came I went off to take a piss as well in like the 67th minute. And normally I just let my bladder fill up to the point of explosion. But I came back in and the camera was just on house as he was just walking down the side. He'd just been taken off. And there was it was just dead silent. Like the commentator wasn't even saying anything. Nobody in the touchline was saying anything. None of the players were speaking. It was it was just a bizarre, eerie feeling. The camera just following house off the pitch. It was, it was fucking it was dreadful. Why do you let your bladder fill up to the point of explosion? Because I'm fucking obsessed with football. It's pathetic. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That makes more sense. <laughs> this is not fetish. This is when- as, as a rule. As a rule, I let my bladder fill up to the point of explosion. I was like, you don't have to do that to yourself. <laughs> um, during football, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um. I don't know if we've done this award before. The Ronnie Rossenthal award. Um, oh. Speaks for herself. You missed that. The most famous sitter of all time against Aston Villa. So quite fitting that he's been named after this. Uh, two two nominations. If you want to add any more, feel free. But I don't know if you remember much more from that game. Um, Henry Lansbury. We mentioned him. Um, his header was one of the worst things I've ever seen. So he was six yards out in the middle of the goals. And he almost put the ball out for a throw-in with his head that was diabolical it was it was dreadful yeah it, it was a lovely ball as well and it, and it was actually a really good run from lansbury 
But the run was so good and the ball was so good that, that Lansbury has no excuse because that was always happening. That was always coming onto his head. The defenders weren't near him. He had to expect it. It was just, it was terrible technique. You know, there's, there's nothing there's nothing to forgive him for. Like, you know, normally whenever somebody misses a header that badly, it's because the big centre half just got there and hit ahead of him and, you know, kind of put him off or put his body on him. It was completely free. It was fucking terrible. It was, it was really bad. Keenan Davis, um, El Ghazi actually produced a nice pass. Bertrand Chirori put him through nicely with a three ball and El Ghazi just played it across the, the box nice and simply. And it's there for Davis. It's on his left. And he he slid. He, he caught it too late, and it just bounced wide. Like he went a good bit wide, and it's like, sorry, Davis, if you want to be the man, you have to score those goals. Like it would be a good goal, but like put that away. Go back and watch that. El Ghazi's cross is terrible. <laughs> El Ghazi overhits the pass, and he and he bounces it into him as well, and the the ball comes to Davis at a really awkward height, and it's too far too far to the side of the post by the time Davis gets there. And there's no reason for El Ghazi to play the pass the way he does. It's 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 a, it's a dreadful ball into him. Uh, now, a really top-class centre-forward might be able to do something with it, but there's so much space there for Davis that he shouldn't have to do anything with it. El Ghazi should just put that onto a plate for him. Like, I think... Gazi maybe he didn't have to bounce it, but he did have to lift it a little bit because he was under pressure. So I think he was probably thinking about a tackle coming, you know, rather than the, the usual Trezeguet drilled across the box on the floor. He lifted it. Um, you know, maybe it was a little wide. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, I, I was looking at that thinking, get in there quicker for one, Davis, and connected that better. Like, like as you say, a top quality centre forward would have done. Yeah, like, there's no there's no question about Keenan Davis's pace. I mean, if Keenan Davis isn't getting to a ball, or his effort even, you know, if Keenan Davis isn't getting to a ball, it's a it's it's typically a bad ball, and he doesn't get there. The, the, the ball's the ball's too high, and it's 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 too too far in front of him. By the time he connects with it, it his leg is his leg is nearly shoulder height, and it's and it's outstretched. I I I I'm blaming Al Ghazi for that one. I mean, Keenan Davis got his own back in the second half. Where he just drilled one across the six yard box and El Ghazi because he doesn't have Davis's effort. He didn't even slide in for it. Now, I know it's different when you're when you're watching it on TV. It might look like, oh, why doesn't he slide there? Whenever you're running in, you know if you're gonna get there well or not you slide. So maybe maybe El Ghazi maybe El Ghazi knew he wasn't gonna get there no matter what he did, but I just don't trust El Ghazi. I just don't think he was fucking arsed. All right, clear winner, Henry Lansbury, um, for that thing of a header um it was an apology of a header really uh he should be scoring that never mind like barely getting it over the end line like it almost went there for a throw in uh the peter Enkelman, what the fuck award i only have no i've got two written down here because you mentioned one earlier and it sparked it sparked off in my mind Gazi passing it to a figment of his imagination he was standing on the touchline and he I don't know why he's trying to do. He just rolled it up the line and it went out for a throw. And I was like, "Great, fair play." <laughs> <laughs> he got rid of the ball and there was nobody to run onto it or, or nothing. I don't know what he was planning there. There was about three moments where Gazi put the ball out of the stadium. That was that was just an exhibition of atrocious, atrocious attacking play. Do you know whenever people put those compilations together to try to slag off a player? I know it's yeah. normally a Messi fan putting together a compilation of Ronaldo doing bad things or the other way around, and it's from their whole career. 
you, you could make one of those videos from El Ghazi tonight. He was <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> well, actually, but the winner, I, I think, um, I don't know how much of a Peter Enkelman moment this is, but it's definitely a what the fuck moment. Uh, was our friend Neil Taylor. So Bertrand Terori pulls back, gets him on his left. Lovely curling pass over the top and it dips down. Like, so unlike one of Henry Lansbury's balls over the top, it dips, it has a nice angle on it, nice arc. Comes right down onto Neil Taylor's feet. Neil Taylor is in behind. The ball's landed on his feet and Neil Taylor, for some reason, slides on his arse into the ball that's already landed on his feet. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's a time and a place to slide. We're talking about like Yazzie not sliding. That was not like it was in behind. There was nobody near him. The ball has come to his feet, and he just slides into it. Um, I don't know if we have anything else to add to that, but it's just like it was a perfect what the fuck moment. I think I think that says it all, really, doesn't it? Yeah, congratulations, Neil. Um, you let Glenn Whedon hit a 90th minute penalty award. This could actually be renamed because I've just got I've got two options here. Um and Elmo playing at centre back <laughs> yet again is one of them. Uh, this could be you played Elmo at centre back award. <laughs> um, donate again. He's obviously just getting him some game time. Um, and angles is out. Whatever. It's it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. And neither game has he done anything that's been exposed as a centre half. So we'll we'll not rip the arse out of it too much. Um, but I've got one here. Bertrand Terori playing for. 75, 76 minutes. Liverpool game on Sunday. Thursday night. Your player who you think would be starting, your big signing, is playing 76 minutes against Stoke. Maybe maybe he needed it because he didn't do anything tonight that would make you think he's he's on top of things, that he's at the peak of his powers. Um, yeah, like, like Bertrand Terori probably won't be starting against Liverpool. <laughs> Yeah, like that, that's not fair though. Like, it, and uh, you're right, but you know, he, he played one to Gilbert who just crossed one out of play, and then he didn't play one to Gilbert later, and then Gilbert's cracking up at him. He's turning back and he's seeing the camera just sort of back away from from any situation that might find him in a position of attack. Uh, he, he's playing with, with second string players, it's, it's a lot harder for him to, to stand out there, especially against a Stoke side who are. Are winning for most of the game? No, you're, and and that and that is absolutely right. It's a it's a lot more difficult to play well with players who can't play. So yeah, tendency. Maybe maybe I am being harsh on him, but he did, he didn't really he didn't do anything else really. I thought you know he didn't look like he was grabbing grabbing the game, but a scruff of the neck. He wasn't forcing players to play with him. I mean the players that were on the pitch. Like Davis and El Ghazi are up top with him. El Ghazi was Villa's third top scorer last year. You know he's not, he's not a complete, you know, no show. He's he's he's, he's okay, um, but Troy didn't show anything either. Fair enough. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Gareth Southgate smoking crack? Um, obviously Jack Grealish and Tyrone Mings are are in the squad but Tyrone Mings is one of 12 defenders he's one of 6 centre halves he's um, there, there are 4 right backs 2 left backs Foden and Greenwood are dropped because what, they wanted to meet girls uh, as teenagers um, 
they were already dropped, by the way, as well from a game. It's like <laughs> Gareth Southgate thinks he's bigger than than Foden and Greenwood. Now they're not superstars yet, but you know, come on, mate, you're not like you're not that omnipotent, like you know. Um, what well, I don't know. What do you think of the squad? Is he smoking crack? Maybe, yeah, he's 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 almost certainly smoking something. Um, I don't know if it's crack, but uh, <laughs> ah, like there's there's other problems with the squad as well. And to drop to drop Foden and Greenwood, but to pick. To pick James Ward Prowse and Winks and Harvey Barnes, you know that's that's that doesn't make any sense. Like Foden and Greenwood are going to be exceptional players. You're picking a thirty man squad, like you know, Winks and Barnes aren't going to be playing anyway. So what's the point of bringing them? Bring bring the young lads. It's it's insane. You mentioned the four right backs there, four right backs, and then Joe Gomez is one of the centre halves as well. Yeah. The off chance that you have to play your fifth choice right back in the game. Like, you know, it was, it was a bizarre selection for two games. Yeah. But we've seen, we've been here before. Like, you know, Nathan Redman played for England before Jack released it. The fuck is that about? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, we spoke about Jack Livermore as well, having, what, seven, eight caps. This yeah. is a historical thing over the last 10 years of England too. Yeah, like Gareth Southgate having bizarre squad selections isn't isn't new. Um, maybe he's just not a very good manager. Maybe he's not smoking anything at all. <laughs> so that question goes unanswered. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I did find it interesting that you know all his uh his bluster about we see Grealish as an attacker, as a left sided attacker, and blah blah blah. Um, and then he has Mount down as a midfielder, and I was like, well, you know, Mount is probably more that player than Grealish. Like Grealish can definitely play. In that middle three, especially if you're picking Foden there, um, yeah, it's just um, it's sort of I saw a funny meme saying <laughs> somebody asking about somebody asking Gareth Southgate about Jack Grealish's new contract, and he replied saying, "Yeah, yeah, very exciting for Ross Barkley to be joining Aston Villa," <laughs> <laughs> which bring, brings me on to my next uh, unanswered question. You can pick up on that if you want, but um, Ross Barkley plays well. Will Jack Grealish be the first England victim? <laughs> uh, Christ, you'd hope not. Based on the players I listed out there previously, if if Ross Barkley's playing well, you think you could find you could find the place for him in the team? Like you know, they don't need they don't need Danny Ings, Abraham, and Kane for one position. They they need they need different options up top. You know, the they, they need. They need one or two of them. They don't need them all because they've got Greenwood, they've got Rashford, they've got Sterling who could play centre forward if he needed it. There's all their players to take out that team ahead of Jack Grealish, as we know. James Ward Prowse is in there. You would have thought Barkley was, you know, ready made to take that place. But I mean, this whole we see Grealish as a forward—it's so bizarre. Like they, they must have been just using that as an excuse because like Deli Ali. Lingard, Mount, they're all they've all played in a midfield free for England. If they can play there, Jack Grealish can definitely play there. And if Gareth Southgate can't see that, then good luck to England. Yeah. If if he doesn't think that somebody who's a completely different player to everything else he has is worth having in, but having four right backs is worth <laughs> having in, you know, then that's insane as well. Like even if you see him as an attack, have him in the squad instead of one of your four right backs and use him somewhere when you might think you, you need him. Or, or like you know, just have him in and see what everybody's talking about if you can't see it yourself, because it seems like he probably did see it himself in twelve minutes against Denmark. 
Well, that, well, that's the worry as well, though, that, you know, Jack Grealish had to show him in 12 minutes that that he was a useful member, a useful potential member of the England squad. How the fuck did he not know that? Jack Grealish? Did Gareth Southgate go to any football games last year? Yeah, smoke and crack confirmed. This is actually the interesting thing about the Barkley situation as well, though. It's like, you know, well, like... Immediately when you get a loan signing and it's an exciting one, you start thinking, when can we buy this fella? Like, if Barkley doesn't play well, then that's not good. And obviously you don't want to buy him. If he does play well, you do want to buy him, but will you be able to buy him? <laughs> you know, it's like, I actually don't think I can see a situation, unless unless he drags Villa right up and they really kick on. But if he if he reaches the level that everybody thinks he can... Then is he being bought by Villa next year, or Chelsea just taking him back, or somebody else buying him? No, Chelsea aren't taking him back. The, the Villa are gonna Villa are gonna finish between between tenth and fourteenth this season, and then Villa's transfer policy has clearly improved this summer. The players they bought are a massive improvement, and it's not finished yet. We're still we're still gonna get Ben Rama or someone of that ilk. That's that's my prediction. Use that as a sting next week. Um, so like Villa will finish in that position and then they'll have convinced hopefully they'll have convinced anybody who, who's on loan if we get another loan centre in or just Ross Barkley that it's worth sticking around next year to convince Jack Grealish to stay there this year you know they had, they had a conversation with Jack Grealish set out their ambition if they can convince Jack Grealish that Aston Villa is the club from now it's different because Jack Grealish is, is a Villa man through and through but you know fucking He's a lot better than Ross Barkley is at football. So if, if it's good enough for Jack Grealish's ambition, it's good enough for Ross Barkley's ambition. Final one. Does El Ghazi think he played well tonight? Well, I don't know. Like I, I touched on this earlier. He's, he's walking around as if he's, he thinks he's better than it. He's not trying. He's not going at full speed. But... It, if you if you if you actually think you're better at it, make Dean Smith stop picking you in EFL Cup games against Stoke City. Get out of the second team. If you're better than everybody there, then it should be fucking easy to show that you're better than them. It's it's incredible. Just play better. Dean Smith won't pick you then. <laughs> so this is it. Like remember the the Derby game in the playoff final. He was brilliant. Like he kept going on these mazy runs up the pitch, and you know everyone else just chased him up the pitch then because it was like well El Ghazi's gone let's go mm. um, he did one of those runs tonight it's the one that you mentioned that wasn't up the pitch but it was cutting inside he took a pass two players in between in, in between two he took a pass one in between two got a shot away um, didn't do that again he had one cross which I was talking about and he I'm sure if, if I'm sort of debating it he's convinced that that, that was perfect and uh that was it. Like, you know, but he kept cutting out then and getting handy ball and just rolling it across and trying to get it off somebody. He kept coming into centre midfield or wandering over to the right when Bertrand Ferrari's already over on the right. And and then just so many times, like, I don't, I don't, this is what frustrates me about him. I don't know if he realises he got the ball and tried to thread it through to somebody or try to poke it through quickly. And, you know, it was always caught out and caught out in a fashion that Stoke centre-back is able to take a touch and now they have got complete control of the ball. It's not like they had to clear it or or intercept or tackle or reach in. He's just he's just giving the ball away, and he probably didn't realize it because he think he thinks he's attacking. And 
I, I was just looking at it going like, you know, he did, he did a couple of, <laughs> he completed a couple of passes, essentially. <laughs> a couple of things in his head that he was convinced was really good. And he got on the ball more. And probably we were talking about him last week because he ever controlled the ball. You know, he, he did. He was managing to control the ball this week. I was thinking, he thinks he's playing well, doesn't he? Well, like, El Ghazi is definitely, an, is definitely the type of player so whenever he played that ball to Keenan Davis that I think was overhit and bobbled up into the air for no reason, he thinks Davis should be scoring. Whenever Davis plays that ball slightly ahead of him and he doesn't fucking bother getting into it, he blames Keenan Davis. You know, it, it, he, he, he doesn't have enough self-reflection to realise that he could have done something better. That's 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 how he strikes me anyway. Um, I remember Jack Charton. It was Ray Houghton actually telling the story. Ray Houghton was playing for Ireland. And he got brought off by by Jack Charton, and he went over to him afterwards, and he said, "What the fuck are you doing? I'm the only person getting any chances." And Jack Charton turned to him and said, "You're only player missing any fucking chances." <laughs> and the player that Jack Charton brought on for him was uh, Al McLaughlin, and Al McLaughlin scored that game. And he just Ray Houghton and Jack Charton had a laugh about it afterwards. But I would have been bringing on fucking Al McLaughlin for El Ghazi tonight. He was that fucking bad. <laughs> He was terrible. Um, it's a question we can't answer, but I, I'm going to assume that he does think he played well. Um, yeah, that's it, Liam. The EFL Cup run is over. No Wembley appearance unless we we make it to the FA Cup semi-finals. Jesus, like there's still semi-finals need to be taken out of Wembley, but that's that's a story for a different podcast. Um, Liverpool on Sunday, transfer deadline day on Monday. Yeah, it's all kicking off. Um, anything else to add? Well, I was very bold in my prediction whenever you asked me about Fulham, who would win, and I confidently predicted that Villa would definitely win, and you said you would play it back to me whenever we didn't, so you obviously chose not to play it back that game, but to end this podcast, I'm definitely predicting that Liverpool would beat Villa. Well, do you know what? Because you said that, I'm going to play it back for you right now. Here is Liam predicting a definite Aston Villa win against Fulham. Big game against Fulham at an earlier time of 5.45. Another chance of three points. And again, <laughs> I'm getting excited, but I'm worried that it could end up being a bad one. Oh, I brought the Fulham. Absolutely no doubt about it. Well, there we go. That's uh, that's the sting for a Monday night show. <laughs> and lo and behold, 3-0, six points on the board. Forget about the EFL Cup. We are still in the Champions League places. See you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.